Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. My name is Josh and I'm part of the core community of CMYK. We're a bunch of people in Billings, Montana, creating space and community where belief and doubt move forward together. One reason I love CMYK is for the people that are here. Before we jump in, I want you to know everything we do as CMYK depends on a generous donation from our local and online community. People just like you who are working with us to live a more beautiful way forward together. So if you love what CMYK is up to and want to be part of the community on a financial level, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to cmykchurch.com. Through your donation, we are able to continue our work and give away more and more of those in need around us. You can easily give a one-time gift or choose to be a regular part of our creation through a monthly gift of any amount. To those who are giving, thank you. With that, let's jump into this week's talk. All right, tonight we're continuing on in a series that we started last week simply entitled Our Favorite Stories. As all of us probably know in this room, whether you've read them or not, the Bible, the scripture, is filled with stories. And some of these stories can feel very archaic, very old, very disconnected from our lives. And we feel like, why would we be talking about this? And with this series, what we're doing is, is rather than working through a topic or rather than working through a specific text together, we're just cherry picking. What are our favorite stories within the scriptures? And to talk about why they are our personal favorite stories. And so tonight, I want to talk about one of my personal favorite stories. And unlike last week, this is a story that you've probably heard before. And even if you've never heard it or ever read it before, you probably know the gist or the major details of how this story goes. It's the story of David and Goliath. How many of you have heard the story of David and Goliath before? Okay, I've got some flannel board with some cutouts. It's going to be great. We're all going to experience David. And some of you have no clue what flannel board is, and I'm just saying you're missing out, okay? The church was cutting edge technology for storytelling. David and Goliath, it's that story, again, that we've probably heard. We know the major details about, even if you've never read it. But for me, where so much of the story that we've been told and that we know about is about this small boy or young teenager named David going up against a giant soldier named Goliath and being able to take out Goliath with his sling, while that's the story that most of us heard, for me tonight, the significance and one of my favorite parts about this story is not just that interaction between him and Goliath, but it's all the details and all the things that lead up to this moment. And so tonight we're going to look at that story. And it starts in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says, Now David was the son of an Ephrathite and of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, The man was already old and advanced in years. Saul is the king of Israel at this time, who David and his family are part of this place. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Goes on and says, The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Now, for the sake of time, we didn't go through every single verse leading up to this moment. What's been told in this chapter up to this point is that these two nations have set up on two different hilltops and there's this valley. And every day, this giant, Goliath, would go down into the valley and would challenge anyone to come out and face him. And whoever won that battle, they would be the one 
that would declare victory for their country. And so Goliath has been doing this. And here's what's significant and needs to be known, that for 40 days, this Philistine has been up to this. Goliath has been up to this. He's come forward and he's taken a stand morning and evening. This is significant because what this means is that for the last 40 days, there's been this tension within the country. There's been this tension within David and his family that they are not where they want to be because they're not quite fully at war. The battle hasn't happened yet, but they're just waiting. And they know at any moment, something could happen and literally everything in their life, everything in their family could change because we are now fully at war. How many of us experienced a little bit of that this past week? That there was this moment, multiple moments potentially, and wherever you are on how it happened or what happened, there was this reality that we faced, many of us reading the news, of seeing, okay, are we going to war? I remember Tuesday night, looking at my phone when the bombings took place, when Iran bombed the American sites. And there was this part of me that was expecting to wake up Wednesday morning, look at my phone, and to realize we are now at war. It's happened. And there was this weird tension in my own heart about what was taking place there. It's not a place that we desire. It's not a place that we want to be. This was one night, and the reality is they've been living in this space for 40 days. Things are not okay and not desirable. The storyteller goes on and says, And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an epaph and this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. The commander was a cheese fan, apparently. See if your brothers are well and bring some token for them. Dad is concerned. How are the sons doing on the front lines waiting for war to happen? And so David... And now, now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and greeted his brothers." And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. So David all of a sudden is interacting with what's been taking place for 40 days. He's interacting with it for the first time. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled for him, from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, all the guys, they know what's coming. They know that, the Goli- that Goliath is there and they're trying to say, hey, you should go check out all the riches that's yours. Check out what you get. You should be the one. You really want that, right? Check it out. You know, this is awesome. But nothing happens. It goes on. It says, And David said to the man who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Here's what I find interesting. David shows up in this scene in this place where things are not okay, things are not right. And his response is not one of, hey, I've heard that there's riches. 
How do I get these riches? I want to make sure to get these riches and this fame and this glory that's going to be showered upon me if I go through this act. No, there's something else in David that takes place. And when you look at his words, there's something else is things are not okay. Things are not right. And we've got to work to make things right. It is not okay that this man is saying this thing. It is not okay that this man is acting in this way. And we have to do something. In other words, this is something inside of David that is saying, I want to see justice. I want to see things made right. Not David saying, how do I get rich? How do I get fame? How do I get glory and honor? No, it's driven by, no, things need to be made right. This is not okay. Then I find it really interesting immediately after. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Don't miss this. David is, is interacting with all of these soldiers and all of these men, and he has a problem with what's taking place. He wants things to be made right. But he's new to the scene. He's young. It's unexpected that he's going to be doing anything in this moment. And the person that is responsible, someone on the front lines, someone with the ability to do something about this, looks at David and his desire to do something right. And all he can do is attack. All he can do is bring anger. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you can show up and challenge us? We're the ones in power. We're the ones, we're the soldiers. You go back to your sheep, and in fact, begins to challenge the motives of David's heart. You don't actually want what's right, David. You don't want what's good for people. You're just, you just want to see battle. You just want to see blood. I know you, David. How dare you try to dabble in my work? It says, and David said, what have I done now? Which is such a younger brother response if you have an older sibling. What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him towards another. In other words, David just says, this is not okay. I just got, I'm going to keep talking about this. Something has to be done. And he spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. Storyteller goes on. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. Saul sent for him. So David continues to talk and talks to a point where it actually gets to the place at the top. It actually gets to the king that David continues to talk about this and say, this isn't okay. We got to do something. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. In other words, David, just like his brother, just like so many other people, who do you think you are that you would have the ability to do something here? This doesn't turn David away. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, Check out this language. I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. You think CrossFit is tough. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Again, we got a note here. This is a moment where David is shown not as some emotional child, 
He's showing, this isn't just passion for me. This isn't just me showing up to the scene and saying, I gotta do something, I gotta do something, I gotta do something. No, this is me understanding my experience, understanding who I am and where I've come from, what I've seen. And I'm, I'm trying to fix this and I'm trying to help here and it's driven by who I am and where I come from and what I've seen happen in life. I'm not some emotional child that's just bringing a lot of emotion to things to try and fix it because I think emotion's the, the solving thing. no. This is David saying, no, I, I got this. So Saul finally relents, relents and says, then Saul clothed David with his armor and put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And from here, many of us know the story. He approaches Goliath. Goliath comes to him. Goliath mocks him. Who does this child that you think that you can challenge me? And David ends up taking him out with one uh, swing of his sling, if you will. And that's the story. I find everything that leads up to that moment so fascinating. So for me, as a, as a young kid, I, I loved the story of David and Goliath. I loved this story. In fact, the first time I ever got to dress up as anybody for Halloween, I was six years old, and we could only dress up as Bible characters. We were the cool family. In fact, we went to this thing at our church called a hallelujah party, because you can't call it a Halloween party, because the devil might get you. So it was this thing. It was a hallelujah party, and only, I'm being totally serious here, only Bible characters were allowed. As a kid, this is all I knew, but for, as an adult, I look back and I say, so there was a little kid that was like a pumpkin. He's four years old, and he's excited to go to this church to get some candy, and they go, nope, the pumpkin's not in the Bible. Get out of here, you. The devil's got you. So for me, I was so excited to dress up as David. And the reason was because I loved superheroes. I still do, but I loved superheroes. And out of all of the scriptures, this was the story that seemed most like a superhero. And so I did what everybody else at the hallelujah party did. I put on a bathrobe and now I was David. Ta-da! Oh man, I don't think we even got candy. I think we did arts and crafts. So I love this story as a kid. As an adult, however, the moment between David and Goliath has become far less, and it's everything that we read tonight that has become far more significant. How many of us know what it's like to experience a world and to experience a day after day after day where things are not okay, things are not right, and there's this thing inside of you that says, man, this is, we got to do something. We got to do something. And whether that's a relational thing in my home, whether that's something happening at my work, whether it's hap something happening in our city, something happening in our country, there's something in me and potentially something in you that begins to just stir and say, this is not okay. And we begin to look just like David did. We begin to ask questions if we're that passionate about. We begin to ask questions. Why are things the way that they are? Why are people in this state and in this place, in our city? Why, why is the world like this, there's gotta be a better way. Why is my family dynamic and relationship like this? That we just went through this holiday season and had all this turmoil and trouble and trauma and things took place. Why are we in this place? And you come to this realization that potentially David does, that there are people all around that have been on the front lines and maybe they're just not doing anything. Maybe they're not actually addressing the issue. 
to be in a home where, man, I, I feel that tension. Be honest, between Kate and I, there's some tension. And I'm sitting and I'm waiting for, you know, Kate, are you going to do something? Because this is really your problem. And if you would fix your problem, you would just start fixing it. So I'm ready whenever you're ready. And there's this tension. And the story goes on and says there's these moments when, when you and I potentially might go, things are not okay. We've got to do something. And potentially someone that we start having a conversation with actually addressing the problem, actually trying to solve things, actually trying to move things forward and make it better, they come back just like David's older brother. Who do you think you are? Who do, who do you think you are that you would bring this up and have this conversation and try to fix it? Oh, you're going to save everything? Go back to where you were. Just let this be what it's always been. How many of us in our creative world, in the art that we create, in the work that we're doing, there's this voice inside of us that says, who do you think you are? You think you can create that? You think you can make this city better? You think you can help this problem? Go go back to your sheep. Go back to where you were and, and just stop trying. For some of us who have experienced this thing in us that just won't go away. We get to a place where we find ourselves in this moment where we're having the conversation. We're in that place at work. We've start, we're a part of an organization that's working hard towards it. Whatever it is, we find ourselves actually moving, working to move things forward. And there's continual confusion and continual doubt in ourselves and in those around us. Maybe it's not external for you. Maybe, maybe it's more internal that there's something inside of your heart or your head that things are not right. Things are not okay. And there's something that says, man, I, I want to start addressing these things. But again, that inner voice just continues. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? This is just who you are. Get over it. Stop. Why bother? And I find it so significant that David gets to this point and gets to this place where he's finally trusted and he's finally able to begin to address the thing that's been in him all along. This is not okay, we gotta do something. And he's finally given the ability to step forward. And there's this moment where Saul gives David his armor and says, okay, we're gonna trust you. You, want, you wanted this, you got it. You think you can fix this, go for it. And Saul gives David his armor, and we got to do our best to understand, this is nice armor. This is the good stuff. This is the top shelf armor, you know, that not everybody else can afford, that everybody, you know, that only certain people get Saul's armor. He's the king. And David, in this moment, rejects Saul's armor. He says, this isn't me. This isn't what I've known. This isn't what I've experienced. This isn't me. And he rejects his armor. And he chooses to step forward in who he is with his own, if you will, armor that looks unlike anything else, but he steps forward. And it's in that work and it's in that effort that things are made right. Here's what I believe. I believe that every single one of you, every single one of us in this room are invited into this story and this narrative that there would be something in your gut that things are not right and that we would be the kind of people and you would be the kind of individual that says, I want to make things right. I want to figure out this injustice. I want to figure out this tension, whether it's 
personal for me or whether it's something in my home, something in my job, something with my art, something in our city, something in our country, something in our world, whatever it is, that we would not be people that are just invited to just sit and wait, but to be people that say, no, no, there's something in me and we do not let it go. I believe that every single one of you have what scriptures would call the imago Dei, the image of God. And when the scripture gives that identity or idea to humanity, to the man and to the woman, it's found in the midst of this creative work of God speaking into the darkness, God speaking into the void. And I believe that this narrative carries so much power and significance for every single one of us to understand that we are invited to carry that kind of image to speak, to bring life, creativity, beauty into the world, relationships around us. But how many of us have found ourselves in the same place as David? Who do I think I am? I'm, I'm a kid. There's people way older that have been doing this stuff for way longer. Who do I think I am to bring this up in this relationship? Because it's been there for a long time and it's just going to be awkward and uncomfortable. And I'm going to have this moment where there's anger coming back at me. Why do you think you could address this and talk about this now? Go back to what you were. This story for me informs this Imago Dei, this image of God for me to be somebody that understands, yeah, this is just a part of life. If we're going to be, if you're going to be somebody that's working to move the ball forward, this is a continual process. Because if it were easy, let's just be honest, if it were easy to make things right, don't you think a heck of a lot more things would be right? If it were easy to step forward and have that conversation, to create that thing, to do that thing, to see that person served and cared for. If it were easy, don't you think it would be done? But there's this part of me that needs to recognize, no, this is something like David's journey where I just got to keep talking about it. I just got to keep going for it. Got to keep going for it because there's something at work here. And then for me, the kicker is this. David comes to this point and comes to this place where he is invited to do something And he has this moment where he is able to recognize not necessarily who he is, but who he's not. He's tried, he's he's been given the tools that are expected of him to go and fix the problem. And he has the wisdom and the ability to say, this isn't my armor. This isn't who I am. We We live in a world that is just really beautifully connected on a lot of levels that the people and the stories and the information is not just what's immediately around us, but, but we can learn and we can grow and we can discover and find tools all over the world from things thousands of years ago to things that just happened 10 seconds ago. We can be connected to that. And many times what we can find is this work to try and figure out who we are in the midst of our creative life, in the midst of moving things forward, in the midst of trying to make things better. And I think that that's a good conversation to have. But for me, the reason this David story and this armor thing is such a kicker is I've found far more power and significance in my own life personally by, by being able to recognize who I'm not. It's not just about me trying to find me, but it's me being able to look at other people's armor, if you will, other people's things, and being able to say, yeah, that's not who I am. So we look at a list, something like this. 
I mean, how many of us have read things or listened to podcasts or interacted with people and we can feel this pressure to be like, I gotta wake up early. Nope, I have to stay up late. I have to eat this diet. I have to read these books. We hear this story about someone who schedules their day in a certain way. And we go, that's success. I need, to, I need to have my day look like this. I need to earn this much money because someone that's creating beauty in the world and doing some significant and good things, they're earning that much money. So I need to earn this much money. I need to buy these things. I need to drive this. I need to use these tools, whether it's a creative tool, whether it's a technological tool, whatever it is, I need that to actually move things forward the way that I want to move things forward. I need to get this recognition because it doesn't matter for me because the people that are actually moving things forward, they're getting this recognition, so I need it. Or how many of us, this is my thing, I need to lead like this. I look at successful leaders around me. I read books and I think, oh, this is what it looks like to lead. And so I think I need to lead like this. I need to create art like this. I need to get this kind of job. Many of us know what it's like to spend day after day after day soaking up all the information that we can to figure out who we are. And for me, this story of David and the power of it is to understand and know who I am not. So that's the question tonight. Do you know who you're not? When it comes to this thing inside of you and trying to move things forward and make things right, do you know who you're not? That there are people doing really, really good work, yes, but you're able to look at that work and rather than feel this desire to emulate the work that they're doing, to be somebody, because the goal is not emulation. The goal is for you to see things made right. The goal for David was not to emulate Saul. The goal was to make things right. The goal for you and I would not be to emulate, but to make things right. And for me, this is far more powerful to understand who I'm not. I'm not someone that can lead like that. I'm not someone that can wake up like that. I'm not someone that can schedule my life like that. I'm not someone that can be a husband like that. I'm not someone that can be a friend like that. As much as it's celebrated and much, as much as it's honored, that's just not who I am. And there's this thing in me, this moment, just like Saul, Saul's armor with David, where there's this weight that just goes, because I began to realize how much pressure I live under every single day trying to emulate someone else and their armor and their story, because this is what a life that matters actually looks like. And I just need to go, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. There is an imago day about your life, who you are, and an invitation to make things right for you and for the world around you. And part of that work is you putting effort into understanding who you're not. That yeah, good things are happening around you and we are connected to those and we can celebrate that, but the goal is not emulation, the goal is to make things right. As we close tonight, as we talk about what your armor looks like, I would just say a couple things that are actually found in this story that I found helpful for me. One, I believe that your armor, it should have endurance. How many of us know what it's like to find something and to think this thing is gonna be awesome and we find ourselves living in some sort of pendulum? In other words, we start on one end and we go to an extreme. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna give myself fully to this. I'm gonna work, work out four hours a day starting at 4 a.m. I'm gonna get to work at eight. I'm gonna go till 8 p.m. 
and then I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna meditate for an hour and I'm still gonna have a healthy marriage and I'm still gonna see my kids. None of that makes sense. But how many of us have experienced that kind of pendulum swing of like, I'm gonna do this. This is who I am. This is the new me. 2020, everybody. I'm seeing clearly now. And how many of us have experienced that? I mean, so maybe this is just me, but how many of us experienced that? And then it's a pendulum swing to the opposite side. I'm gonna wake up at 10 a.m., maybe. I'm gonna maybe open my computer by noon because I gotta get some food in me and that takes a couple of, like we just swing the opposite side because we go, well, that wasn't me. And we just find ourselves on the other side. But that doesn't endure either because we don't find ourselves living a healthy life. We don't find ourselves making things right. So then we Google, podcast, read the book, have the conversation, go, yep, this is now me. And we swing the pendulum over to the other side. I believe that your armor is something that has endurance for who you are. And that's unique and specific to who you are. And again, this has been the freedom for me personally to look at somebody, some of you in this room, that are able to lead at an incredibly high level and just always be on. And always, like everything you say is like the right decision. And I'm like, how do you, how, what? And I think that's what good leadership looks like. And I have to come back to this place of realizing, okay, that's not my armor. That's not who I am. I'm somebody that, yeah, I need, Matt needs his alone time. <laughs> like I just need to disconnect and unplug for a little bit. And that's okay. I'm somebody, my marriage is something that, Quality time matters. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this great epic date night, but for me and my wife to understand who we are and the dynamic of how we relate and to go, okay, this is who we are. And to see other couples that are, you know, operating at a higher level or able to, you know, accomplish way more and do way more and be on the scene and on the town way more. I just got to go, that's not me. Personally, this whole thing called CMYK has been a journey in discovering not who Matt Blakesley is, but who Matt Blakesley's not. Because I've grown up with a story of what a pastor and what a church and what a good, healthy, vibrant community looks like. I'm not saying you're not, by the way, okay? <laughs> but for me to come to this place of going, okay, there are great success stories about healthy, beautiful faith communities and churches in this city. And I am not here to emulate I'm here and I believe we're here to make things right. For you, you've got to find something that is able to endure and not just swing the pendulum back and forth to discover who you are. The second thing I would say is it should have experience. David's armor was, he, he was able to say, hey, I don't have experience with this armor, so I'm setting it down and I got to be done. And I think the same is true for you, that you're able to look back on your experience and say, I've walked through this, I've seen this happen, and just like David is able to stand in some confidence before those in power before him and say, hey, I got this. I'm not just an emotional child. I'm working to bring my experience and where I've been and what I've seen, the good things and the bad, and find myself in a place where we can move things forward. That your experience would influence who you are. Again, for me personally, stories of where I've been leadership-wise, and I continue to try and emulate someone else. And I just know, I just know. I've tried that before. It was a pendulum swing. It didn't go well. And I can bring that experience. I'm somebody, I've, I've had uh, lunch with a friend who's planting a church uh, uh, this past week. And I just got to tell him, hey, if you want to know how to plant a church the wrong way, here, I'm here. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And, and I don't say that honestly as a joke. It was just the thing of like, this is something that I can speak to because I feel like, man, I've done a lot of things wrong. And so we can do this, that your armor and who you are would in, be influenced by your experience. And the last thing tonight as we close 
is it should connect you with others. David slays Goliath in the immediate moment after this, as many of us know the story, is all of the army rallies around David and they go after the Philistines and conquer them. I believe that who you are in making things right is an invitation to see others join you in that process as well. None of you, none of us are an island. And part of discovering who your armor is might be discovering who your community is and who your community isn't. I've had to understand there are certain toxic people that are not toxic people because of who they are, but simply because of the armor that I have that I'm always going to work to try and emulate them. And it's just not healthy or good for me to be around. But that doesn't mean that I should be an island and be all by myself, that I would find people, many of you in this room, that I'm able to connect with on a personal level and know, okay, we're in this together. This isn't just Matt Blakesley on an island. Maybe for you, making things right in this city Making things right in this country is not going and starting a new organization or starting something new, but working hard to find yourself and align yourself with an organization that is doing some good work that resonates with who you are. There's an Imago Dei, an image of God on your life. And my hope and my prayer is that you would emulate this David story and give your all to making things right. And the voice inside of you and the voices around you would not be listened to, but you just wouldn't stop talking about it like David, and that you would find out what your armor isn't and be able to say, that's not who I am, that's not who I am, that's not who I am. Tonight, we come to this table, and for me and for many of us in this room, this table, this bread and cup is an invitation to pick up this kind of story and this kind of narrative. Christ's body broken and his blood shed for the suffering of the world. That our narrative and our story is to say, I want to to break myself and pour myself open for the sake of those in need to make things right. And for some of us tonight, maybe that is a global scale. Maybe it's a nationwide scale or community-wide scale. But for many of us, that might be just our home. That might just be our job and our work. It might be our art and our creativity, but that this would be an understanding of, okay, I'm joining and I want to be a part of this Imago Day, whatever it looks like for me, and to pick it up, to dip it in the cup. It's just grape juice and bread, but it's an invitation for us to remind ourselves of these stories and narratives that would invite us to find the ball moving forward and things made right. So we're going to play a song through the speakers and just invite anyone and everybody, all are welcome to this meal, to this table, to come take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup and receive, and then we'll close our time together. Whenever you're ready, feel free to come up. May you understand that there's an armor that's yours. It doesn't look like anybody else's. And that's actually a really beautiful thing. May you have something in your gut like David that just won't go away and you got to keep talking about it. You got to keep talking about it. You got to keep talking about it. May you be somebody that doesn't let it go, but you find yourself in a place just like David where you can do something about it. May you go and be the emulation of what this meal represents, that we as a community and individuals are breaking ourselves open, pouring ourselves out for the sake of those in need around us. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, if there's anything we can do for you, please reach out on social media or through our website at cmykchurch.com. Also while there, 
you can figure out more about who we are, where we're headed, and how you can get plugged into or give with this unique experimental church. Have a great week, and we hope to see you soon.